1: Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and to show us and to help us communicate with our Father. The problem is not God's desire to give to you. The problem is we don't receive it. We must receive the things the Lord has given us by faith. We have everything by faith. We have everything by faith. The prime example of this is that Jesus died for the world, but the world must ask him into their lives.
0: Joshua 21 gives us a detailed account of God's distribution of the promised land to His servants. God had specific, wonderful promises that He longs to fulfill in us if we would simply be willing to receive them in faith. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage us to readily receive all of God's promises in faith. Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua, chapter 21, for part one of his message, Promises Fulfilled.
1: Joshua 21, we're slowly closing in on the end of Joshua. There are 24 chapters in Joshua. We're down to 21. We have three more studies left after this one. Today we are making our way through the book of Joshua. We are in, I can't believe we're in Joshua 21. It just seems like we just started to me. I don't know. Been having a great time. But as we saw in the earlier chapters of Joshua, the land has been divided. It was divided according to the will of God. God chose the land that each tribe would possess. And then although they threw lots for it, and although they went out and they landmarked things and they surveyed it, God still knew who was going to get what. It was according to his purpose, according to his will. We read that the land had been subdued and the land was at rest, finally. Approximately seven years of war, seven years had gone by since they crossed over the Jordan. And we know that But seven is God's perfect number. It's his number of completeness. So seven years had taken place. Last week, we discussed the cities of refuge. There were six cities that were set aside as a place of refuge that the slayer could go. Who was the slayer? It was the man who committed murder unintentionally. We would call it manslaughter. Involuntarily, it happened and someone died by his hands. To keep the family who was required then to go and revenge and make restitute. This person could go to one of these six cities and they're spread throughout the entire land. Three on one side of the Jordan and three on the other side of the Jordan. The slayer could go there. He could call out to the elders and he could say, I've committed a crime. Someone died at my hands. The elders would investigate. And if they found him to be guilty of murder, well, then he would be executed. But if they found that he was not guilty of murder, if it was involuntary, then he was allowed to come into the city. He could stay there, and they would not allow the Avenger of Blood, they're called, to come and get him. Interesting concept. The Avenger of Blood was the family members who were looking eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He could stay there until he was found innocent of all charges by two or three witnesses, or... The high priest of that year or then died. Then he was free to go back without retribution, without problems, to his hometown. The cities of refuge. But there's one thing remaining. One bit of business that they hadn't taken care of. One last piece of the puzzle that God had already planned. The Levites. What were they going to do with the Levites? If you remember in previous studies, the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe, received no territory. Their inheritance was God himself. Their inheritance was God himself. And it's interesting because we studied and we looked at Simeon and Levi. We looked at Simeon and Levi and how they were told by Jacob, their father, how he prophesied that they would not inherit any land. Because of the murder they committed in Shechem. We remember that story that we talked about? How, you know, Simeon and Levi went to protect the honor of their sister, Dinah, who was raped, and then her assailant decides that he wants to marry her. And how they went to Shechem, and they said, Okay, you can marry our sister, but first you all have to be circumcised, all the men. And they did that. And then while they were recuperating, Simeon and Levi went up and killed them, avenged their sister. Because of that, because they had blood on their hands, Jacob told them, you would not have an inheritance. You would not receive any part of the land. Well, you should know this, because as we studied the land of Judah and the land of Simeon, they're similar. Simeon was swallowed up by Judah. And as we look at our maps that we had, we can see that the sign says a great big Judah in there, and then down here it says Simeon. Simeon was giving a plot of land inside Judah. He really didn't have his own plot. He was given part of the land of Judah. But it's interesting here, as we study today, and as we look today, that the curse that was placed upon them by their father, Jacob, is reversed. And it becomes a major blessing for the tribe of Levi. You might think that's very interesting. Remember the Lord said, I will be your inheritance. You will be scattered throughout the land in order to serve me. And the cities you possess will be protected by the rest of the nation. From the Levites came the priests, the keepers of the tabernacle. They kept the oracles of God. They were the ones that performed the sacrifices. They were the ones that went in before the Lord in lieu of the nation. It was the tribe of Levi that was going to be the spiritual caretakers of the entire nation. They were to care for their spiritual life. And while the priests came from the tribe of Levi, not all Levites were priests. Does anyone know the qualification for being a priest at this time? You had to be a descendant of Aaron. Who was Aaron. Moses, his brother, the one that was consecrated by God to be the first priest. So in order to be a priest now, you had to be one of his descendants. And you'll see as we look in there that the three descendants of Aaron are given these cities. They're given these cities. So you might ask, if you're a student, why was the curse reversed? Why was the curse reversed? For Levi, but yet Simeon was swallowed up by Judah. Well, I see two things at play here. Number one, obviously, it's the sovereignty of God. God has compassion on whom he has compassion. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. But there's something else that plays strong here, I think. And there's an interesting theory that I discovered that I want to share with you. If you will take a minute and go back a few books to Exodus. Particular Exodus 32. Something interesting happens in Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, Moses comes down from the mountain after receiving the commandments of God. He's carrying them in his hands. And he's coming down from the mountain because there's a great ruckus down there. God said, something's amiss in the camp. And he comes down there and Dathan and and all those had Aaron fashion the golden calf. Remember that story? I'm going to digress a minute because the second best excuse in all the Bible is found in this chapter. The second best excuse in all the Bible is found in this chapter. If you read through the chapter, when Moses confronts Aaron, Aaron says, I threw the gold in the fire and a calf came out. Greatest excuse. So they made this calf. God knew what was happening. So he sends Moses back down. Moses comes out, and boy, he's hot. He is really angry. So let's pick it up in verse 25. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Adam had not restrained them to their shame among the enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every male his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. This was in great response to what had happened. There are those who think, that this was why God changed the curse and made it into a blessing, that the Levites would be his, that he would be their inheritance. They would be the keeper of the tabernacle. They would be the ones who, who dealt with God on a solely basis. They would be the ones through whom the priests come through. It was a great thing. Many believe that this was why, because they were the only tribe that dealt with their sin. They're the only tribe to say, who's on the Lord's side? And they stepped up. Remember when we first studied Joshua way back when he was going into Jericho? He met the commander of the army of the Lord. And the first thing Joshua asked him was, whose side are you on? And we talked how great it was that the Lord is on our side. But we need to be on the Lord's side as well. We need to be on his side. We need to be on the Lord's side. All through scripture. We're going to study some of those today. You're going to find out that the Lord is on our side. But we need to be on his side. It's not—it's God's will that not anyone should perish. But it all would come to repentance. The only way to repentance is through Jesus Christ. It's not God's will that any man would perish. But all would be saved. In order to get on God's side, you need to be saved. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. You need to be on the Lord's side for a change. When it comes to inheritance, is there any tribe that the Christians are more spiritually connected to than Levi? I mean, look at all the things we are. For example, we're called priests. We're called priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There's some really interesting things. Let's take a look at a couple of these things. I won't bore you. Talking about the inheritance that we have. First of all, we'll stop at Ephesians one eleven. In Ephesians 1.11, Paul writes, In him, he's talking about Jesus Christ, We Also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. I love that. I absolutely love that. Turn now to the back of these epistles to Colossians 1.12. I'm going to read from 9 through 12. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us as partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. I love that. And finally, look at First Peter. In First Peter 1, let me read 3, 4, and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Here it is. And to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to reveal in the last time. I love that. God is our inheritance also. And you can turn one over and go to 1 Peter 2, 5. As Peter says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we can liken ourselves to the Levites. We can liken ourselves to them. We can see as we've been deemed priest by God only by our relationship to Jesus Christ, for He is our high priest. He never gives up that title. Ever. So as we begin our study tonight, the heads of the Levite families, they come before Joshua, they come before Eliezer the priest, and they come before the elders. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eliezer the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers, houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common lands. Remember that all this is now taking place at Shiloh. And Shiloh has become the headquarters for the nation. Gilgal once was the headquarters, but they've moved the tabernacle from Gilgal up to Shiloh. And this is where all this is taking place now. All this is now taking place at Shiloh. God had commanded them to move. So where did they get this idea at? Where did they get this idea? Well, the Lord told Moses. The Lord had told Moses about this long ago. Go back to Numbers 35. We were there last week when we talked about the cities of refuge. Go back to Numbers 35. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give the Levites cities to dwell in from the inheritance of their possession, and you shall also give the Levites common land around the cities. They shall have the cities to dwell in, and their common land shall be for their cattle, for their herds, and for their animals. The common land of the cities which you will give the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. And you shall measure outside the city of the east side to 2,000 cubits, on the south side 2,000 cubits, on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits. The city shall be in the middle. This shall belong to them as common land for the cities. Now among the cities which you will give the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. And to these you shall add 42 cities. So all the cities you will give to the Levites shall be 48. These you shall give with their common land. And the cities which you will give shall be from the possession of the children of Israel. From the larger tribe you shall give many, and from the smaller tribe you shall give few. Each shall give up the cities to the Levites in portion to the inheritance that each receives. So the Lord has given Moses this command. This is what you're going to do. You're going to get in the land, and you're going to do this. They're in the land. Everything has been dispersed. Now the Levites come forward. They go, hey, according to Moses, according to what the Lord said, we want our cities. We want our land. I like this. The Levites are requesting these things. They're requesting what is rightfully theirs. They're requesting what the Lord had already given them. And I think you know where I'm going with this. As a victorious Christian, The Lord has given us great and precious promises. He's given us great and precious rewards. He's given us all things for life and godliness. He's given everything, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But we, by faith, must take those. We, by faith, must accept those. We must take them and allow them to be ours. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, when Jesus said, Seek, knock, and ask. The problem is not our asking The problem is our receiving. We're not taking what the Lord has given us. God's desire to give is bigger than our desire to receive. God has the storehouse full of blessings that he wants us all to receive if he's awaiting for us to ask. But James says you have a problem. You ask amiss. You ask for personal gain. You ask so that you can be a bigwig, a big shot. Instead of asking for what the Lord would have you get. See, the reasons the Levites walked up to Joshua is because they know that the Lord had already given it to them. The Lord had already told Moses. That's why they said, give us what the Lord told Moses was ours. In this word, in God's word, there are many, many promises. And wouldn't you want all that God has for you? This isn't a prosperity thing, guys. I'm not sitting here preaching a prosperity. This is not a name and claim it. I want that thing. It's mine. That's not That's what I'm saying. We want everything according to God's will. We want everything according to what God wants. The Levites don't want anything less. They don't want anything less than what God had given them. And they get 48 cities. How many cities did God give them? 48. I want what God wants for me. I want it all. I want what God wants for you. We should want it all. Whatever God has, we should want what he wants for us. How do we find out what it is? We ask and we seek and we knock. And we need the Holy Spirit. We're back to that again. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and to show us and to help us communicate with our Father. The problem is not God's desire to give to you. The problem is we don't receive it. We must receive the things the Lord has given us by faith. We have everything by faith. We have everything by faith. The prime example of this is that Jesus died for the world, but the world must ask him into their lives. The world must speak to him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It's there. Salvation is for everybody. Whomsoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is open to anybody, anybody. They have to ask for it. They have to ask. We receive by blessing, by faith. So the Levites are going to be scattered throughout the land, very much like the cities of refuge. Why? So people can get to them. If they're going to be spiritual counselors, people need to get to them. People need to know where they are. And among the cities given to the Levites are the six cities, Of refuge. Who better to give the cities of refuge to than the priests, than than the priestly people? Who better to take care of those? It's interesting that the Levites scattered throughout the land so they can teach people the law. They need to teach the people the law, and they need to influence people and the other tribes to be faithful to our Lord. This brings me to a major point. We can never minimize the teaching of the Word of God we can never minimize it at all because there is where we get our being. There is where we get our substance. There is where we know how to walk, how to talk, how to do the things that God wants us to do. It's through the Word of God. And we need to have that. Most common people that time didn't have scriptures. They did not have what we have. They had to be told. They had to be shown. They had to be shown what is there. And the Levites identified with the people and they could explain these things to them. They could explain what was going on. And they showed them God's word. We use, at Calvary Chapel, we use Nehemiah 8 exclusively to talk about teaching God's word. In Nehemiah 8, a couple of things I want to read to you in Nehemiah 8. I'd like to read the first 12 verses. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly to the men and the women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate, from morning until midday before men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law.
0: The book of Joshua details the Israelites' journey into the land promised them by God and the various adventures they encountered along the way. Through it all, one thing is clear. God keeps His promises and protects His people. Pastor Dave Schenck will continue to teach through this Old Testament book on the next edition of Cape Watch Radio. But in the meantime... We'd like to direct you to our website at capewatchradio.com. Listen to an archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave or download and share them with your friends and family. You can also subscribe to Cape Watch Radio by searching on iTunes. Take biblical teaching with you wherever you go. It's a great way to add spiritual teaching to your already busy life. While we're so blessed to be able to bring you verse-by-verse studies straight from God's Word, we hope this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible impresses upon us the importance of community And the need to find a church family to help you grow in your walk with God. If you haven't found a church home and are in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We meet to worship our Creator and study more deeply the guidance He's given us in the Bible. For our address and directions, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Or visit our website at capewatchradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to join us again for more on Cape Watch Radio.